God sightings. We talk about this every week, God sightings. And what is God doing in and around our lives? Because he's always, always doing something. Always doing something. Every day of every moment, the minute I wake up in the morning, God is doing something. Uh, five o'clock this morning, something went bump in the night, and our little dog, Buddy, which never yaps, 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 wouldn't shut up. Just yap, 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 yap. And I'm not saying God did that, but I did get up, tell Buddy to be quiet, and he did. I praise God for that because it was still early. And I, I, I just started to pray for today. So I don't know. I'm not saying God made our dog yap, or, but it doesn't matter, does it? See, that's the whole point. For whatever is good, it comes from God, and God desires that our hearts are thankful before him, but it doesn't happen just naturally. It just doesn't, it doesn't. Or at the very least, if it happens naturally, it's okay because God's given us the ability to be joyful and thankful, right? But but even in those moments of, of a, a gift or an embrace or a hug or someone that speaks kind things to us, it's okay to receive that and be thankful, but all good things come from God. So our key verse, if you will, for the last several weeks has been out of 1 Thessalonians five sixteen and 18. And it says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you, for you. We have to be reminded of this all the time. I know I do. I know that we talk about, is this possible to rejoice in everything? Rejoice always to pray about everything? Is that, is that even possible? And to give thanks for, for everything? Whether we call it good or bad, is it possible? But it is. But, but it is possible. But it's only through a heart that Christ can give. We're going to really prayerfully look at that this morning. What does it really mean? What does it really mean to think about the songs we sang, I believe? What does it really mean to put our trust in Christ? What does it really mean to say that we believe and that we live our life in Him, in Him and through Him? There's a switch that takes place from the physical to the spiritual realm, and we're going to hit that hard this morning. So here we go. A brief uh, review from the last couple of weeks, and it's going to be very brief this morning. And here it goes. The first thing we talked about is a power of thanksgiving is eternal, not external. It's internal also, but as another reminder, it's eternal. For the power of thanksgiving truly comes from Christ, truly comes from God. It's eternal. The, the The thankfulness we have in our heart. Times past, times now, the times I won't even be here, that I'll be gone and I'll be in heaven. These times are eternal. The thanksgiving that dwells from within us, listen, that God gives that seed. Remember the seed that he places in our heart as we express that thankfulness to him into this world. It's forever. I know that's hard to grab. It is for me. But it's reality. It, when, it, when we express thanksgiving and it's through the Spirit of God and Christ, the Spirit of Christ that's within us, it's forever. It's eternal. It's awesome. So things from the past, actually, even in, 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 in our generation or in our families that were expressed, 
go into my, went into my life and the things I express goes into our daughter's life and our grandchildren's life. I'm telling you, it's awesome. It's hard, hard to grab, but it's awesome. And then we looked at Psalms 100 and how is Thanksgiving expressed? Well, Psalms talked about make a joyful shout to the Lord. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence singing. Know the Lord, his word. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Enter into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him. Bless his name. So what is this? I mean, he's talking about a heart. Remember we talked about David, how he got really messed up, like most of us, I'm sure, at one time in our life were, and maybe some of us are right now. I mean, we're not alone, right? Or maybe one day in the future, something's going to mess us up. But whatever the case may be, David was not always perfect, and he never did get perfected until the day he passed and went on to be with God, right? So none of us are perfected. God knows that. So it's an attitude of the heart. It's the attitude of who we are in Christ. But who are we in Christ? Really? Really, who are we in Christ? A true heart of thanksgiving comes from only one source. I want us to turn to John 17 together, and I'd like for us to to read this together. Whether you open your Bible, there's a Bible in front of you, you you pull it up on your phone, whatever the case may be. I'm going to give you just a couple of seconds here to, to look up John 17. There's no way I can cover John 17. It, it would take, I mean, this morning, it would take seriously uh, through next year <laughs> to really grab the dynamic of what's happening here in, in its fullness. I'm going to concentrate on who we are in Christ and, and the interaction Jesus had with the Father at this time of prayer and in a time where he knew that he was going to be given up and that he was going to be crucified. I mean, it was no doubt Jesus knew exactly what was going to happen. And he has this conversation with his father. He has this conversation that God elected to have the Spirit of God right through men to make sure we knew and heard what Jesus was praying prior to that moment when he knew he would be arrested and taken away, falsely accused. See, there's nothing that has ever happened to any one of us, seriously, that, that has it in some way, and I don't mean necessarily in a physical form, but in an emotional form, and in an in a, in a essence that Christ knew. He knows what we go through because he went through it. You've been falsely accused, so so is he. I mean, to the point of death. He was falsely accused to the point where he was crucified, right? And so Jesus knows. He understands. And, and the Spirit of God and the Word of God wants to speak to our hearts this morning as we look at John 17. Listen to this prayer as Jesus prays to the Father. John 17, verse 1. Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven, and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son also may be glorify you, as you have given him authority over all flesh. And he should give eternal life as to many as you have given him. And this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. I have manifested your name to the man 
whom you have given me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they have known that all which things now they have known that all things which you have given me are from you, for I have given to them the words which you have given me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I have come forth from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. And all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to you. Holy Father, keep your name, those whom you have given to me. That they may be one as we are one. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you've gave me I have kept, and none of them have lost, have been lost except for the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. Verse 13. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world that have, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because They are not of this world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified. By the truth. Father God, I, I truly believe that your word is truth. It's absolute truth. It's the only truth. It's the only real thing we can grab this morning. It's the only real thing that we can put our faith, our trust, our hope in. And Father God, we're praying and we're claiming in the name of Jesus that even the words that he has spoken that we're sharing this morning, that we're speaking and, and, and literally into the world. Just as Jesus said, we're, the word of God is being spoken before your people this morning. May it be so. God, give us the revelation that only you can give. Give us the heart that only you have that we might know. That we might know the reality of where a thankful heart really comes from. It's our relationship with you and only you. Only by your expression in us can we manifest a heart that's thankful to others because of you. We love you. We praise you. We claim all of these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. And as we look at John 17, like I said, I I really know no way, no time to go through everything this morning. But I want us to look at a couple of things here that that are really key to, especially when we're talking about having a thankful heart. In, in verse 3, he says, and this is eternal life that you may know, or this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. See, we, we live in a world, and, and I, know we know, I know we know this for the most part. I mean, I, I get it. We, we, we know this. But we, we live in a world that's, that's a very religious world. 
uh, or at the very least, no, it's the world. I was going to say at the very least, it's our culture, but it's the world. We live in a very religious world. We're created in, in the image of God. So it's no doubt that in that image, we're all going to be God seekers, even though we, a lot of times we're not expressing things that way or people aren't saying that way. They might say, well, I'm looking for Muhammad. I'm looking for whatever. You know, I'm looking for, they're still looking for a God. They're still looking for something that they know that's inside of their heart that's missing. And I tell you, for the most part, what we're looking for, what they're looking for is, is a thankful heart. And hear me out. Because even as Jesus is in the garden and he's praying, and again, he knows he's soon to be falsely accused, taken to prison, and crucified, murdered, killed for our, for our sins. And I know it's God's plan. I get all that. But it doesn't take away from what happened and how it went down. So here we are. We're people. We're created in his image. And no matter where you go, there's a void that's within our hearts. And Jesus comes on the scene. He's confronted by people that are very religious. Um, a lot might relate to the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Sanhedrin, the people that Jesus seemed to really talk to the most as far as saying, you know, you're trying to look good on the outside, but inside you're a wreck. That's paraphrasing. <laughs> but, you know, you ever, you ever think about that? You ever... Okay, who here at some time in your life has ever went up to a mirror, looked at yourself, and went, you're looking good? Come on, be honest. I'm curious. Who, who's ever done that? I, I, I didn't get any hands. Oh, we, we need, oh, thank you, Michelle, because I know I have. I mean, I, I'm just saying. Um, now, I might have been a little younger, you know, like a week ago I think I did that. But, you know, that's kind of. You know, even in adolescence, come on, there's that. I realize that some of us could have looked in the mirror and didn't like what they've seen during that time. But there's, there's usually a time we'll look and we'll go, looking good, or who are you? And we, we, we try to figure out who are we and what's going on. And it, that's, a, that's something that's just deep down inside us, again, created in God's image. There's that void because our sin nature separates us from him. It's hard to have a thankful heart truly in him. So we seek it out in other ways. We try to find it through through selfish needs or we try to find it through buying stuff or, you know, I don't know, through food, through whatever. We just, we, we do anything and everything we can do to try to fulfill this void that Jesus is talking about. And he says, and this is eternal life that you may know the only true God and Jesus Christ who he has sent. It's hard to grab that God tells us to put the entire world aside, to put our life aside, to put our jobs aside, to put our families aside, and to put our trust in him. Now, come on, I, it's hard to grab and there might be a few that might say, yeah, no, I got it, Pastor Tony. And, and I'm not saying you don't, but praise God if you do. Because I, I quite frankly, struggle with it every day. I don't struggle with my salvation. I, I'm just going to say it right up front. I don't. I remember the day that I put my trust in Christ as my Savior. And I praise the Lord Jesus. Not that it can't happen, that, that we can't fade from that. But I never have. I've never one time doubted my salvation, ever, ever. I, I can say that with all earnest. 
But it doesn't mean it can't happen. It's, it, biblically, I know it can happen. And why does it happen? Why can it happen? Usually because if we know we've come to a place where we've been saved, we put our trust in Christ. Usually if our heart fades away from that, usually if we wonder, well, did I really do that? We're either not saved, we never really put our trust in him, or we've faded away. We've faded. Jesus said, and this is eternal life. There's no other. There's no excellent, no, no other definition. There's no other definition, and this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God. There's only one true God. Come on. It's not a thing. It's not a place. It's not a person. Okay? And even though some of those things can give us, again, a joyful heart, and we can be thankful, of course, for family, for for, for things that happen, for a great job, or whatever the case may be. But what if it all were gone? Would we still be thankful? I don't know. Would we? But in Christ, he says we would. Let's go. Let's keep going. So then he goes, let's go down to uh, verse 9. It says, I pray for them, and I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. And all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Who is he saying he's glorified in? A, the believer. The, the, okay, but you're right, us, you know, the, a, a believer. So God is glorified in and through me? Hello? What's God's will for our life? John six forty, and this is the will of God. For he who looks upon the Son of God and believes in him shall be saved. God's will, salvation, God's purpose, only one purpose, we glorify him. There is no other purpose. I'm serious, there is no other purpose. If my life is not to glorify God, then God just, and I, I don't, I'm not saying this silly, then, then he wouldn't be leaving me, here, leaving me here. All right, I'm a born-again believer. Listen, watch this, watch, I'm setting this up. I want us to look at what the word's saying here. I'm a born-again believer in God. Why am I still here? I was born again like 26 years ago. Why am I still here? Because God sees a hope in me. God sees something within me. God expects me and has for me to grow in his word and be sanctified to be more like Christ. That I I would glorify him. Do I do that in perfection? No. Do I do that every day? No. Do I slip sometimes? Yes. And Trisha's going like this. I don't know why. I, I know that's, but you know what? There, there's, there's a glimpse there because if God thought that I had no hope, that I was a done deal and Tony's just done, there's no way he can glorify me in his life as a born-again believer. I really believe this. He would just take me home. We're here for a reason. We're here because God wants us to engage him. To understand what true eternal life is. Not some fabricated life that's made up by, by a religion. And a false religion at, at, at worst. But who he is. And who eternity belongs to. And when we start to understand and grab who God really is, creator God that created us, that knew us before we were even in our mother's womb, and, and this, this God, this creator God that loved us so much that when we were separated him from, from because of the sin in our life, that he 
he brought about his word, and, and the word became flesh, and, and Jesus now is praying to the Father and saying, you know what, I've done everything you asked me to do. I've spoken your word, I've given your word, the word of eternity to man. And they received it, and they believed it. Not all, but the ones that do. And they embrace it. And through them, because of Christ, we glorify God. Don't you ever think, don't you ever think that you can't live out God's purpose. It's a lie of the devil and of flesh. Pastor Tony, I'm a born-again believer. I repented of my sin. I asked Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior. I did that. But then you're telling me my one and only purpose is to glorify him. I can't do that. I fall so short. I can't, I can't live my life glorifying God. Are you kidding me? That's impossible. It is. See, that's the point. That's, that's, that's the deception that takes place. Because, because we have those thoughts that says, I can't glorify God all the time. I fall so short. This, ain't, this can't happen. I'm just going to pray. Certainly there's another purpose for God. God has another purpose for me. It's to go to college, it's to get married, it's to do this, it's to do that. And we pray and we look and we seek and we never find. Ever. (laughs) Maybe for a season, right? Maybe for a moment. See, we got to grab a hold of this eternity. We got to grab a hold of salvation. We got to grab a hold and understand what it really means to have eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. We got to grab that as a people of God because when we do and as we do, it's not a, just a moment of time, but when we do and as we do, the Spirit of Christ, the very one that's praying this prayer, that's talking to the Father, that Creator God that we're talking about, He says, I'm coming home and I leave them to glorify you. That, that through me they will glorify you, Father. We got to grab that. We got to know that. We got to believe that. Let's go to verse 12. He says, While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you have give, gave me, I have kept, and none of them is lost except for the son of perdition. And, and, and I, I don't want to say a whole lot here, mainly because of time, but the thing is, yeah, we do have an enemy. You know, we, we, we have an enemy, mainly two. One is the flesh, and one is the principalities. Um, the devil, I'm not probably big enough for him to play with, and I don't, I'm not trying to be smart. But certainly there is this realm, the spiritual realm, that, that, that we fight against. The Bible says we're not at war against flesh and blood. I, I have to remind myself that about once a week. And if certain ser- uh, periods of time every day, someone yells at you, falsely accuses you, something's going on in your life, and what do we want to do? We want to fight them. We want to fight that person. We want to fight that disease. We want to fight, of course we do. I know I understand. I'm not, I'm not trying to uh, make light of this. But we've got to understand in our sin nature, what happens is when we rise up to fight things that are not our battle, we're going to lose. We're going to lose. Instead, God's intent is that we grab what he's given us, eternal life, a life that never ends with him. 
Never. And, and as our life fades away, wherever, whatever that might be, when our life fades away, I mean, I'm a pastor. I'm around this a lot. Some of you might be too, but I see it all the time. These battles that people had in the flesh, they don't matter anymore. They don't matter. All the stress, all the worry, all, all, all the control, trying to control things, trying to, 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 to you know, well, you're God, I know you're on the throne, and I know I believe in you, but, you know, just, you just stay right there for a moment, and let, let me deal with this, because it doesn't seem to be happening the way I want it to. And, and it's hard. Go to verse 13. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have what? My joy fulfilled in them. Whose joy? Whose joy? Wait a minute. Whose? The joy of Christ. His peace, his joy might be fulfilled in who? In me? You know, again, again, if we're not careful, we'll miss it. If we're not careful, then we'll, we'll, we'll still say, oh, that's nice. <laughs> Come on. Oh, that's nice. God says, no, 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 just stop. Be still. Be still. And know that I am Lord. Be still. Every, about every morning, Tony, be still. <laughs> I readily confess I've, I, I'm not perfected. I have not arrived, but I must say I'm not the same. But I'm not the same either. I've grown and matured in my relationship with Christ. I've grown and matured in my, my, my desire to glorify him. And I've grown and matured in, in grasping the reality of eternity. And it's not just because I'm getting older. I'm not... It's not just because I'm getting older. Well, you know, the older you get, you know, you kind of tend to set down. You get a little wiser, and you know, and you do. Praise God! I think. I hope. <laughs> no, it's because of time spent in His Word and prayer. It's 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 what Jesus is doing here. And I, I want to move on to something a little bit different. But I mean, I, I you know, I'm, I'm not I'm not going to today. I don't know. Maybe maybe one other time I will. But I, seriously, I just want to just. Go, order out lunch, and let's spend about four more hours breaking this down. I mean, that's, I'm, I'm being serious. <laughs> but, 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 I, but that's a snapshot for this morning to be continued next week in that area. I want to talk about something that parallels to this from what I've spoken so far, and it's very important. Because the number one enemy of having a thankful heart is a religious spirit. And you might, whoa, where did that come from? Well, listen, we're talking about having a thankful heart. We're talking about being able to engage eternity and to understand the love of God and what he has to work through us, and that's to glorify him. And you know what? Really, the number one enemy that tries to take away our thankful heart or tries to mess us up in the area of eternity is a religious spirit. Now, you can say, well, what does that mean? What well, means two things, literally. Number one, a spirit of religion, a literal spirit. 
a demonic spirit that that are spirits that that have have uh, orders from the top to go out and to infiltrate people in churches and to make them believe that there's more than God. Make them believe that there's more than Christ. If I can just make you look good, then we're going to be okay. If you're just a good person, then you're good. And this religious spirit, a literal spirit or spirits, go out and they, they work for their, their commander-in-chief, which is the devil. And they bring about a spiritual, literal, spiritual oppression upon God's people. And I know this is, this is hard to grab, but, but if you think about it, I'm, I'm, we're going to spend just a couple minutes breaking down what does it mean. So, so here's some examples. If you're wondering what this number one enemy that wants to take away our thankful heart for God is, well, number one, the first thing it tries to do is steal our joy. It wants us to make believe that, well, you know what, God's not answering your prayers right now. I'm just, you know what, if you just take things into your own hand, it wants to steal our joy, the joy of the Lord. No matter what happens. Remember we talked through James, counted our joy when we're tested in our faith. We're, we're, we're tested in our faith. And you know what these little, these little demons do? They come in and they, they, they shoot fiery darts. And they go, well, you know, God's not really listening to you. God's not really going to help you out. God's not going to. And, and, and it's just a constant. They want to steal your, your joy. This spirit lives by the law. Jesus constantly confronted the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Sanhedrin because they are always living by the law. Well, this is the law. This is the law. This is, this is the way it's got to be. And Jesus looked right past what they said they, they, they believed in and into their heart. And he told them, you know, you look good on the outside. You're all washed up. You know, you're cleaned up and you present yourself as, as being so good on the outside. But on the inside, your heart's so far from me. And this religious spirit wants to make us look good on the outside. It just does. It, it makes us believe that if we do certain things, if now I want to be careful here. Uh, sometimes, sometimes time might not be enough, but just hear me out. You know, I pray, God, you know, help us to, to, to see this in, in your light, that your spirit would help us through your word. Search our hearts. Show us these areas that might be affecting us. Through the spirit that says, as, as long as we serve, we're good. Praise God for serving. God intends for us to be servants in the church. He intends for us to come together as body believers and everyone using their gifts and their talents to encourage one another and to edify one another and build each other up. Why? That we will be ful fulfilling the, the greatest thing that God has us to do, that we have a thankful heart and that we leave this place so full of the power of Jesus that, you know, a, a rock can just be right there, and we'll start preaching to it and sharing the gospel. Oh, I'm not kidding. Well, maybe not the rock, but a person, Walmart, work. A religious spirit feeds our selfishness. Well, you know, you really deserve this. Well, you know what? Why do they get that, but you don't? And a religious spirit is constantly trying to feed our selfish nature, that selfishness that is a part of our sin nature that separates us from God. So just in a snapshot, this number one enemy of our, ours wants to take away that joyful heart and wants to instead leave in place that, that heart that says, 
you're good. Just keep going the way you are. It's okay. You don't need to understand the dynamic of who God really is, what eternity really is for your life. You, you're good. You don't, you don't really need to understand that. You don't really need to be in the Word of God. You profess to be a believer, and you want to draw close to God. But, you know, and these aren't words of condemnation. Certainly, I cannot condemn us, right, unless I condemn myself. In John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall what? Not perish, but have everlasting life. Who knows John three seventeen? For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. We already stand condemned. We do, we, we do, we do a good enough job all by ourselves. <laughs> we do. All right. So here, here's how you can have a, an idea if, if there's a spirit of religion that's, that's trying to steal your joy, either a, a literal spirit of religion or a, a religious spirit that's within you that, you, that you know what? You just didn't, you, just didn't, you don't even know it's there. The, the, see, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they were, they were real people like us that really loved God. I, I mean, I don't know, sometimes uh, we might get this impression um, probably because of, you know, whenever I talk about them, it's not too great. But, um, but you got to realize they're just, they're people. Now they might be priests of the day, and they might you know be leaders of the day. But beyond that, they're just they're just people that know God, that love God, and and they say, but 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 they fell into this this lie that as long as they just did one through ten, as long as they just did whatever they're supposed to do, and they physically did things, it didn't matter about the heart. And they fell into that lie. So spirit or religion wants control. If, 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 you know, if, if you're wondering, okay, I wonder if there's an outside influence here or there's a spirit of religion here. Well, a spirit of religion wants control because it makes, it makes you feel like you're safe. You'll do whatever it takes to feel safe. A spirit of religion will put within you a heart that says, well, you know, I don't want to get hurt. If I serve in the church or if I do this or if I help those people, well, you know what? I can get hurt. I don't want to get hurt. I'm just, it's best I just leave it alone. A spirit of religion wants to be recognized. Now, you know, in all of this, I want to be careful. But, but if you start seeing some of these things, if, you, if, if, I, if I walked up, I'll put it on myself. If I walked up in front of you and I just, well, you know, Lucy, I want you to know that, you know, I'm Pastor Tony. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> but I'm just saying, and you know, I want you to know it took me a long time to be a pastor. And I'm rather a good one, actually. <laughs> and, uh, you know, right? No, I didn't mean that. <laughs> well, wait a minute. Let me get that on video. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> but, but a spirit of religion will put within us that, that there's a real need to be recognized. I, I want you to recognize me for who I am. I want you to recognize that this is what I do. And that, look at me. Look at me. I'm glorifying God. I, just, I, just, I want the credit. I don't want God to get the credit. That's what a spirit of religion does. A spirit of religion demands justice. A spirit of religion, if, if a spirit of religion is affecting you or you see, you see it around you, how can you be discerning of it? It demands justice instead of grace. It says, I have rights and you don't, I want it this way, you, you know, you want it that way, I don't care. Or if something happens and someone does something that, that is wrong, instead of wanting to correct them and to, to reconcile them to God or to walk with them, because hurting people hurt people. Most of the times when we mess up and we do stupid stuff, especially as a believer, it's because we're hurting. 
And the last thing we need to do is point a finger and say, oh, you know what? I don't care. You just do the things I want you to do or else leave. Now, why am I being so vocal? Why am I being so prominent here? Why am I expressing this the way I am? Because it's a religious spirit. And the only way to deal with a religious spirit is eye to eye, face to face. And I'm being careful. Try not to look at anybody. <laughs> I kind of, oh, me? <laughs> I laugh, but it's a nervous laugh. Because this spirit is real. And this spirit will mess with God's church. And this spirit will, will rise up and try to, and it will demand justice, but it leaves grace out of the picture. It doesn't even look at the hurts and the pains. It just, this is the way it is. This is, you know, I can't believe you just dirtied, you put, you dirtied up the carpet. What are you doing? You don't dirty up God's carpet. That's a religious spirit. Should there be order? Yes. Should respect the house of God? Of course. Should we should we have expectations of, of God's people? Yes, of God's people. Of born-again believers, hold me accountable, please. You see me messing up. You who are spiritual, come to me. But the Bible says to restore me. A religious spirit wants to remind you of past experiences. You see, these things you did in the past, you're not good enough. You'll never be good enough. No way. No way. God says you are good enough. You can be good enough, but my righteousness is found in him, my my son, Christ. You don't need to find it in yourself. You need to build it in yourself. You need, to, you need to work it out in your salvation. A religious spirit projects to others. A religious spirit, uh, in our flesh nature, we can gossip, you know, whatever. But a religious spirit is very sly because they have, the religious spirit has a form of godliness, so it's hard to, hard to grab. It's hard to see. But a religious spirit will literally look. And look for people that it, that it can talk to and just plant little seeds of doubt in their mind. And then they just kind of go away. See, when it's the sin nature, a gossiper is a gossiper. Grow up. Stop it. You don't like people talking about you. Don't talk about people. But they just, nah, 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 nah. But when it's a religious spirit, they just go in and they just do a little whisper. And then they go away. You see that happening in your life? Kneel before God. Ask him, am I being influenced here? You see other people doing it? Trip them. Don't do that. Stop stirring up stuff. Now, by the way, I must say, even though I feel like every church has an influence in this area and ours is not exempt, um, it's pretty neat when we can be equipped in this area when it's not like some of you, I noticed we have a, a few visitors here this morning, and uh, which we do every Sunday. Isn't that cool? <laughs> I love it. This is cool. But a visitor's got to be going, oh, my gosh, they must be really having some problems right here. I got to tell you, we're not having these problems, but I don't, I don't want us to have these problems. <laughs> right? That's what equipping is. Let's nail it before it be, becomes problematic. All right. And then lastly, or a, a, a religious spirit points fingers and shows partiality. <clears throat> if you get close 
you know, I not mean I mean don't go on a witch hunt. I hope you don't mind me saying that. Don't try to don't 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 leave here this morning going, oh man, did I I saw that guy doing that. I wonder if he has a religious spirit. I mean, no, 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 no. Be prayerful and discerning first to yourself, God revealing me any any influence I might have from a religious spirit, and then Lord help me to be a discerner and walk with anyone. That, that I see with these characteristics, maybe hurting the body of Christ, hurting your body. And, and the thing is, how you can tell if you're getting close, a way to discern a, 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 a religious spirit is this. They'll always try to point a finger to someone else. If they feel they're getting caught, or if they feel their true identity in Christ is being questioned, or if their heart is not really close to God like we were talking originally, and, and their heart is just saying, well, as long as I do this and do it this way, and the eternity thing, I believe, but, you know, it's, it's more about, about the law, and it's not really about grace, and my heart's not really in that. What will happen is if you approach a religious spirit, it will flee. I'm serious. Now, once in a while, I think some of those spirits are kind of strong, and, and maybe it might stand up a little bit. Um, I hope this isn't too much. Just hear me out. But once in a great while, if you're approaching a religious spirit and it rises up and it doesn't flee, it doesn't mean that it's not a religious spirit, but it'll get very demanding and commanding. Who do you think you're talking to? I'm a believer. I'm a deacon. I'm a pastor. I've been at this church for 30 years. And it, it might rise up like that, but, you know, if it does, come and get me. You know, I mean it. You know, just don't, don't be concerned about that. Because most of the times with a religious spirit, if, if you confront it, and I don't mean in a bad way, I mean in a loving way, just how can I pray? How can I help? Um, it'll, just, it'll just leave. Draw near to God. God will draw near to you. And the devil, he flees. He flees. People of God, we do not want this spirit of religion that has inundated the world from the beginning, but still very much alive today. We don't want our culture or our world to come against us with this spirit of religion and take away the identity of who we are in Christ, the eternity that only God can give through Christ his son. Don't, don't let it happen. Be discerners of this time. And don't let it happen in your body, this body. This body, those listening on the web, I know some of you are going to other churches. And some of you, you can't. You're not able to go to church. But, you know, take that deep breath and know where your eternity truly lies, and that is in Christ. For Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Our identity is in Christ. When hardship comes, it's in Christ. When the spirit of religion tries to tell us that it's all about the law, it's not about grace, we take a deep breath, and it's about Christ. No matter what tries to take us down, the love of God is greater. I just have one question. Is your eternity secure? Now, I mean that. I mean that. You hear the gospel every single Sunday here. Every Sunday. That's nothing on me. That's Because the, the gospel is the only cause we have. <laughs> why, would, why, why would we not, right? But I'm, I'm concerned not to make anyone doubt their salvation. Now hear me. It's not my job. 
But is your eternity secure? Do you know that you've come to that place where you repented of your sin and asked Christ to be your Savior? You put your trust in Jesus as a Savior. And, and listen, I'm not talking about that you grew up in church. I'm not talking about that you know the things of God. You know, do you find yourself always describing God but never Christ? Do you find yourself, you know, believing there's a God but not the power that he has and the reality of Christ crucified? That, yeah, I know God, I love God, God's good, but yet in your heart of hearts, you're just going, but I don't really connect with Christ. I, you know, yeah, I believe Jesus is God's son. I believe he died for my sin. And the Bible says even the devil believes. Are we secure in our eternity this morning? It's a for real question, and it's okay. Do not let a religious spirit right here and now, for some in this room, you might be going, well, man, you know what? I have questioned for a long time. I've never had that time where I really repented and I believed. I just kind of, I just kind of became saved. Don't let a religious spirit tell you, you know what? You're good. You don't really need to repent of your sin. You don't, you don't really need to put your full trust in Jesus. Put a little bit of trust in don't let Don't let it happen. Because that's not the truth. You go back to John 17, the prayer that Jesus prayed just before being crucified. And he says, and this is eternal life. That you, that they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom you've sent. That's eternal life. There is no other eternal life with God. There is an eternal life we all live an eternal life. And that eternity is either in hell or in heaven. There is no in-between. We can call this in-between, and sometimes we look at this like hell, right, this life. Now, come on, really, I, I'm serious. I've had some pretty hellish times in my life. But I've had some pretty glorious times, too, especially in my salvation. Today, if the Spirit of God is revealing to you your need to be saved right now within your heart, let him speak to you, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Do you know that you fall short of God's glory? Because the only way you can know is when the Spirit of God puts that in your heart. You can think you know, but when God puts it in your heart, you fall short of my glory, Tony. I know. Romans 6.23 says, And for the wages of that sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. It's eternal life. Eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Through Christ Jesus. Let God speak to your heart. Let the Spirit reveal the truth of his word to your heart. Are you secure in your eternity? No matter what it looks like, no matter what you think others will think, do not let this time go by where you say, I'm good, when you're not. Or you're questioning if you are. Father, thank you for the times you give us to be together. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your son. Thank you for words such as these that encourage us that we might know that we know the only hope that you give through your son. And may it be said of us this morning, 
Lord Jesus, that we believe. We repent and we believe. We don't have to do it a hundred times. We don't have to do it ten times. We need to we need to come to this place because of your revelation one time. This morning we repent, we believe.